welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching the Podcast. I'm Laura Forehand. I'm here with my amazing friend, Rhonda. She is my best Whole Brain Teaching friend, also someone I would never think about doing a podcast without. So you want to say hello, Rhonda? Well, absolutely. Thank you for those sweet sweet thoughts. Um, I'm Rhonda Arles, and I'm glad to be here today. And we are so excited to have the amazing coach be with us on the podcast today. Thank you, Coach, for taking the time to be here. And um, I think what we're going to talk about is going to help so many teachers. Let's get started. Yeah. Fantastic, ladies. Great to be here. First of all, a million finger woo for all the work you've done on these podcasts, over 100,000 downloads. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. I'll write the president. He's a personal friend. I'll have him give you a medal of podcastery. So let's talk about our topic for today. Our topic for today is something we've never discussed, and we should have, and that is self-care for teachers of beloved rascals. What could you do for yourself if you've got one or more beloved rascals that are causing you stress and frustration? Rhonda, you tell me, now that you're out of the trenches, how good it would have been a few years ago if we figured out what you could do for yourself when your beloved rascals are driving you cuckoo. Talk about Yeah, it. exactly. Because I would say these last two years of my teaching career have been the toughest and put a lot of stress and anxiety and everything else on my body. So I would have loved to have this. So I'm so excited that you're sharing this with other teachers so that they don't have to go through some of the stuff I did. Uh, ladies, I want you to know that I'm not just dreaming this stuff up. Oh, I partly am. But what we're going to talk about is something called cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, one of the most powerful modes of therapy uh, in the modern world, but it goes back to a Greek uh, philosopher, Epictetus, uh, who taught us that We can't control what happens to us, but we can control what we think about it. All right, Laura, you are having, you've had a bad day. Uh, Talk about one of your beloved rascals, give him or her a name, just generally sketch out what happened on this tough day, and then we'll do something about it. Okay, well, thank you, coach. Um, I'm gonna pick a generic name, but I definitely do have actual students in mind, but we're going to call my student Johnny. And man, you know, the thing that frustrates me the most is like, 
when I call class, Johnny doesn't meet those three expectations. He doesn't stop what he's doing. He doesn't look at the teacher. He doesn't super glue his hands. He keeps working on stuff. Um, he's up out of his seat, talking to his friends when they're supposed to be working on something. Um, and then sometimes like when we are actually moving around and doing the whole brain teaching lesson, like he won't do the gestures, um, you know, just like not getting his work done on time, just would rather socialize. And so it's just kind of frustrating. Like I, I just, I don't know what else to do. All right. Uh, first point to make for everyone is, you don't have a beloved rascal unless the child is a long-term project. That's just the truth of it. So if you go to the doctor and the doctor says you've got diabetes, you've got a long-term problem and you're gonna drive yourself cuckoo by looking for a short answer. So you can't say to yourself, Laura, what can I do to fix this? Okay. All right. Now, what can you do immediately? All right, you're driving home. Mm -hmm. And I want to describe four kinds of thoughts that you can think. Okay. Uh, the first thought we'll call is a red thought. When you think about Johnny, you think about this, and it causes you distress. And in brain terms, you're giving your brain a shot of cortisol. Cortisol is a is a brain chemical, a neurotransmitter that makes you feel sad. All right, give me a red thought about Johnny. Okay, a red thought about Johnny is just he is, he's working on my last nerve. I, I, I'm uh, losing all my patience with him. Right. I've got to tell you that I'm going to call a deep red thought. Okay. When you think a thought that makes you feel without resources that is essentially a predictor of an impossible future. You're saying there's nothing I can do for this kid. That is a deep red thought. And it's not rational because you're predicting what is to come and no one can do that. And the other thing about deep red thoughts is this over and over again, my dear Rhonda, <laughs> we have said to ourselves, I can't take it anymore. Whatever the it is, I can't take it anymore. Fill in the blank. And then we go right on taking it. You know, mm -hmm. we've got a toothache. We've got a dog that's barking at two in the morning or problems with in-laws. I can't take it anymore. That's a deep red thought. And it's irrational because it's predicting of the future and it's shortchanging our own capacities. Deep red thought. Mm -hmm. Laurel, Laura, in less words than I used, please tell me the characteristics of a deep red thought about Johnny. Go ahead. Okay, so I, I kind of experience a deep red thought as almost feeling like there's absolutely nothing you can do about the situation. It's hopeless. Yes, that's exactly deep red thought. Now. The thing about a deep red thought is that it can go round and round in your brain, mm -hmm. round and round and round. And this is why therapists recommend journaling. The nice thing about journaling is you can't write the same sentence over and over again. It's therapeutic. But you're on your way home. You've got a life full of things to do. 
And journaling may not be immediately possible. So when you think there's nothing I can do for this boy, you have to say to yourself, that's a deep red thought. As soon as you name the thought, you're not feeling it, you're identifying it. Mm. And that is a movement to a different part of your brain. The part of your brain that identifies things, this is a plant, this is a car, this is a stop sign, this is a deep red thought. Identifying it is the first move away from having it possess your reason. Mm. Explain to me why it's a good move instead of having deep red thoughts to say, wait a second, that's pretty deep and reddish. Oh, Laura. Yeah, so so when we can identify it, I feel like it, it just it makes it more um, accessible. Maybe um, we realize that, first of all, this is a thought. It's moving to another part of our brain when we identify it, a more, say, rational part, I'm, I'm yes. assuming, of our brain. Yeah. Um, that's going to help us deal with the problem rather than feeling like there's nothing I can do about the situation. Now, let's go up one level. Slightly better than, fundamentally better than a deep red thought. It's simply a red thought. Red thoughts are limited to time and space. Boy, was Johnny a handful today. That's true. Okay. And you can think about Johnny in the morning, and you can think about Johnny in the afternoon, and these are red thoughts. They're emotionally heavy, and they can loop around in your brain. And as part of teaching self-care of beloved rascals, you need an alternative to red thoughts and deep red thoughts because you're going to have a lot of them because you're emotionally invested. Explain the difference between a deep red thought and a red thought. Both of them pull you down, but one is pretty darkly irrational. Go, Laura. Okay, so a deep red thought is going to be that almost like hopeless feeling that you might have. But if we can transition that even one step to that red thought, that that has a little more some some better parameters to it. Like you said, it's limited to time and space. So we can say, you know, this morning, Johnny was a handful or this afternoon, Johnny wasn't making very smart choices. Um, so it almost, it identifies it a little bit more than a deep red thought would. And a normal pattern here really is you get done at the end of the day, you think, boy, he was a handful, red thought. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do with this kid, deep red thought. And that is the arc. Mm -hmm. My dear friend Rhonda, explain the downward path from red to dark red thoughts. Go, Fred. Well, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I'm understanding it is like a red thought is associated with limited time and space. Yeah. Your deep red thoughts are where this kind of snowballs or kind of consumes you, and those are your only thoughts. Is that correct? Absolutely. Now, Laura. You have Johnny this year, and you've thought a lot of red thoughts mixed in with deep red thoughts. But again, the move is think a red thought, identify it, 
begin to diminish some of its urgency. Now, the truth is that there's some positive and lovely things about every single beloved rascal, and we believe in whole brain teaching. Mm -hmm. There's far, far, far more positive and lovely and great things about every one of our kids than anything else. So tell me something true about Johnny, and we'll call that a green thought. Go ahead, Laura. Well, you know, he does get up and and goes by his friends a lot, but it's actually to help them. So he's a great helper. Ooh, you know, he, ooh, he, really, he really wants to help um, when his friends get stuck. Super. Think about that green thought. What does that tell you about Johnny's personality that sometimes gets lost in a red haze? Yeah, that, I mean, he, he actually, he's, he's kind. And, you know, I know in my classroom, that's, that's huge. Um, kindness is huge um, in our classroom. So for me, that says, well, if he, if he has one um, amazing quality, such as kindness, I'm sure there's others that I'm just not seeing. This is true. The other thing is a green thought is just a rational, large perspective based upon what you know about Johnny's background, his family, his upbringing, his financial status of his parents. So when we think of a red thought, we want to automatically link it to a green thought. And we find the best in our kids, which is what we are called to do, which is to find the best. So red thought can tail into a deep red thought somewhere in there. We begin to, those thoughts begin to lose their magnetic hold on our mind. We identify them and then we start to think green thoughts. So do green we- thoughts are really some of the highest parts of our brain functioning at almost peak capacity. So you finish the day, red thought, green thought, red thought, green thought. You start through that loop and you become it becomes a mental habit and you begin building new patterns in your brain. My dear Rhonda, explain how happy your last years of, of teaching would have been. Well, I... I mean, this was really causing me to reflect a lot. I mean, you know, makes me wonder why, why do we obsess with those red thoughts so much and not focus in on those green ones more? But I think what you're saying is, you know, we have these red thoughts and these deep red thoughts. We need to link it to that green thought to make that mental habit so that they link together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now, Laura, we have a treasure chest in our mind of golden thoughts. Not necessarily linked to Johnny, but there are experiences that we've had, religious, personal, interpersonal, that just uplift us when we reflect on them. They are treasures, and we need to get those treasures in our hand much more often. Uh, for example, for me, one of my golden thoughts was 
I once went to Calcutta to work with Mother Teresa, and a nun greeted me at Nirmal Hride, the hospital for the dying destitute. Mm. She said, are you here to work or visit? Wow. Mm. I was there to visit, to tell you the truth. I was there to take a tour of the problems of Calcutta. And I said, no, I'm here to work. That is a golden thought. I met a person who is living a life of absolute selfless dedication. And whenever I think of that moment, it's uplifting. So golden thought. And I think of that moment quite often. Mm -hmm. I'm loving my golden thoughts. Laura, the more vivid and particular you can make that golden thought, I believe, the greater its power. Give me a golden thought either about Johnny or about anything in your life. You know, lately I've been thinking a lot of my maternal grandmother um, and just the power of relationship with her. She really took the time to... Um, just just spend time with me to talk with me to care about the things that I was doing as a young um, girl and and growing up um, during the time that I was growing up. I just remember always um, visiting her on Sunday and sitting around having a cup of tea. And I just thought I felt so special. Um, so she comes to mind a lot. She is she's one of my alpha hawks for sure. And, um, but I just, I remember just how, um, we could just be together and that relationship was just so strong and meant so much to me. Um, and it's, it's just taught me so much about relationships and how important they are in our lives. That's the best kind of golden thought. We mm -hmm. call those people alpha hawks. They right. are the ones who show us how to live for others. Rhonda, talk a little bit about a golden thought about your, one of your alpha hawks. Oh, wow. Um, I would probably say, I mean, Laura has been there for me all through my teaching career with Whole Brain Teaching. And when I would get down on things or whether it's in my classroom, I know I could always reach out to her. And she, you know, she was always uplifting and my cheerleader. So just knowing that I had that person that if I needed to talk to about how my day was or what I could do better with Whole Brain Teaching, I know I could always go to Laura. And that was always uplifting to me just to know I had somebody because I was the only one in my building doing whole brain teaching, you know, so nobody could understand maybe the struggles I was having with it. So that was an uplifting thought for me professionally. Definitely. That's I agree. Beautiful. I agree. That's so beautiful. So, uh, you know, they say count your blessings. We say something else. We say live mm -hmm. your blessing. And. Uh, our alpha hawks inspire us. And so what, what is happening is, is that you're thinking about Johnny, you're identifying your emotions instead of suffering from your emotions. You've taught your brain that there's other things to do that feel a lot better than cycling through a cortisol haze. And you train yourself to link red thoughts to green thoughts. And then the truth is, is that people give us a magical healing legacy that we carry forward into the world. And so Rhonda 
is able to carry into the world of teaching and far beyond the world of teaching, her incredible relationship with Laura. And Laura is able to remember tea time with her grandmother. And those are resources, listen to me, those are resources we need to activate every single day. And when you're teaching beloved rascals, it's morning, noon, afternoon, and evening, because you are called to be a person that those kids have never met. I want you to think of a beloved rascal as someone who matters to no one. Mm -hmm. There is research indicating that a lot of the troubled kids in our schools do not have best friends and do not have healing bonds with their parents who regard them as a problem, not a kid. So you have these free floating souls that are drifting past you day after day. You have to tell yourself, I understand that Johnny may not matter to anyone. He's going to matter to me with the strength that I have from my golden friendships and from my marvelous grandmother or from strangers we met in the past. So let's wrap it up. Four kinds of thoughts. We think red thoughts that are negative, eh, realistically, but they cycle through our brains and they cloud our thinking and they make us think that, you know, we have a tough life. And let's face it, our lives are not tough. We are blessed as teachers. Then we have deep red thoughts at the bottom of the hill there where we are predicting our future in the darkest possible tones, mm -hmm. irrationally, depressingly, and they gain momentum. We can have a habit of dark red thoughts and that's called depression. And then we have these insights into our kids that we need to search out. We reduce the power of these reddish thoughts by naming them, and then we train our brains to think about green thoughts, and then we train our brains as needed, and we needed a lot when we're teaching rascals to think golden thoughts. Why? Because we have an inheritance of love, and because of that inheritance of love, we get to bestow it in our classroom. Ladies, let's sum up. Uh, Rhonda, what's useful here? Laura, what's useful here? And then okay. see everybody down the road. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it's really helpful because I tend to obsess with those red thoughts. And I think this is helping me see that I need to tie in and link together that green thought. Now, the gold thought that we have, do you pull that in every time? Or is that just when you reach... You, a certain point. I, think, I think you ought to wake up and start thinking gold thoughts, especially if you're a teacher. I mean, you know, it's your it's your mind health food serum. Mm -hmm. um, but it's but the more you think about them, the more vivid they are, the more powerful they are. And then you can bring them out of your mind's treasure chest as needed. OK. Yeah, I agree with you, Rhonda. I feel like there's just a lot of there's a lot of stress 
dare I say negativity um, in our schools right now. And so I really do like this idea of taking care of our thoughts and linking them, like you said, Rhonda, to a green thought. And that doesn't mean that we like push down, you know, what's going on, but just linking that, I think with that green thought can just help us to feel a little more gratitude in the opportunities that we have to, you know, reach out to these kids and to, like you said, coach, maybe be that one person that really shows them someone in their life really cares about them. Well, I never thought about identifying it to put it in a separate spot either. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I think I just go emotional down that snowball and it gets bigger, bigger. And I like the idea that you said identifying it moves it away from that processing that we do that just spirals or snowballs. That's a good point. Very good ladies. As always a joy being with you. Well, coach, we are so thankful that you joined us today. I think, um, it's enlightening to me, even though I'm not in the classroom about, but I know this is going to help a lot of teachers. You're always an inspiration. We want to encourage our listeners to go to our website at wholebrainteaching.com for information about whole brain teaching and also check out our whole brain teaching official store for the free resources there. And I'm going to agree with you, Rhonda. Coach, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today, but also what a great gift just to take in our lives. And whether you're teaching or whether you're retired, I think this is something um, that you can use in your day to day, you know, with all the people that you interact with. So thank you so much for that gift coach and what you taught us today. And as always, we do look forward to the next time we can chat with you, coach. We hope that that's sooner than later. Thank you to all of our listeners for liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with all your teacher friends and administrators. We are extremely grateful for each and every one of you. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.